Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Hello, Mr. Decker. Hello, Mr. Harris. How are you, sir? I am slightly disturbed by your green jacket. This is not the whoa, Masters. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well. What, but you are a master, sir. That's right. I am a champion. No, a master. Different. Well, okay. So I'm also wearing a green tie. So I'm, you know, I know this is not very, you know, it's not the spring, but it is a very but it's, spring. But it's kind of, it, it has, it has a little bit of an olive. It's not a real Kelly. So it's, it, it's fall, it's fall appropriate. Well, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Still a little disturbed by it. Anyway. Whatever. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. I look to, good. Okay. I didn't say you looked bad. My mom says I look amazing. Your mom says you're cool. She does say I'm cool. Are you arguing with? The great Mrs. Harris. We've already today. derailed. Not yeah. As already. you can tell, ladies and gentlemen, we do not have a guest. We'd already be moved on to them. Right. It's just gonna be us two, kind of, kind of just twiddling our thumbs, seeing not what really. kind of magic we yeah, can come this, up this with. Is, this is not twiddling thumbs. So oh. we actually have. I have work. We have work yes. to discuss. Well, and friend of the show, friend Kasha of the show. Cristobal, sent us this. Uh, report that was done in Dallas County. So thank from you, the Kasha. SMU Data Science Review, um, Volume Six, Number Two, Summer of 2022. Right. So recent, hot off the press. This is truly hot off the press. She sent it to us, um, and I printed off the 58 pages. Yes. And I I read it. Uh huh. I cannot say that I understood all of it. Well, I'm not that <laughs> smart. <laughs> Uh, but I understood the important. So, so I'm going to be honest. I'm not a statistician. I never took stats, and there are some stats in here. Well, uh, what's the title? Like, what what is this on? It, okay, that's a good question. It's yeah. examining bias in jury selection for criminal trials in Dallas County. Well, okay, and so we got this. Uh, very appreciative of Kasha. We were we were also like, well, uh, we're gonna have to read this thing. You know, we're trial lawyers. Right, reading 58 pages. It's for our interns, not for us, right? Um, but Andrew has done a, a great job of kind of trying to dissect as much of this as possible. Uh, and so we will go through this. And I, I say Mr. Decker's done a great job because, to be honest, yeah. I've, I have skimmed it very, very briefly. So we will, uh, will kind of go through this. But the important thing to note here is, as trial attorneys, we must be aware of bias within our jury pools and so this i think can help shed some light um on the what real life uh it's really biased yeah yeah, it's it's really a bias in the jury selection okay um uh and and it's i think there there are a few things where we make mistakes as well certainly Um, we we may push uh different persons or pull different persons and uh, it may or may not necessarily help as much as we want. Right. Um, so a bias is any form of conscious or unconscious feelings that would lead us towards a decision. Uh, and the problem is most of our biases are so ingrained in us that they are. It's like deciding if I if I like if I like broccoli, broccoli is neutral. Um. But President Bush, the first one, would not let broccoli be served in the White House. There are lots of kids that eat broccoli as that is true. The (laughs) Broccoli Growers Association of America put a put a semi truck on the uh, out in front of it just to say, hey, come on, President Bush. I mean, this is the kind of information, folks, that you get from our show. (laughs) That's right. 
I'm a I'm a I'm a cornucopia of knowledge. That's amazing. I didn't even know that. That's great. Yeah, look it up. Google it. I, I tell you the truth. Um, like you know how to use Google. <laughs> I don't. Um, <laughs> but but broccoli's neutral, right? Right. It's a fine vegetable to most people, but obviously to President Bush, it was an anathema. Um, so first thing is remember that even our own biases, we can't see, we often cannot see in ourselves because we are so close to it. Um, and then the same thing is going to be true. And so, you know, the question kind of becomes in jury selection, but can you set aside those biases and follow the law as it's given? Yeah. And that, to me, I think we start asking those questions and, you know, I think it's often couched as like, can you be fair? Can you set aside your biases? And and everybody, when they're like, can you be fair? They're going to say, well, yeah, of course I can be fair. I'm a fair person. Um, it's almost like asking, right? We were kind of talking about this. In your jury selection, you wouldn't ask somebody like, okay, well, who here is racist? Um, every, yeah, everybody's going to say no uh, right. or not e- or e- not indicate e- that they are. Yeah, even even the guy that's got a... Uh, uh... What what those of us who've seen enough tattoos would know might indicate that they are Aryan Brotherhood. Right. Yeah. Probably isn't going to raise his hand in a courtroom and go, yeah, I'm racist. Right. Yeah. Um, but all and- of us have, and this is straight from the paper and it's quoting another source, all of us have innate unconscious biases, perceptions, preconceptions, beliefs, and values that make establishing impartiality in the purest sense an impossibility. Right. Right. Impartiality would be an impossibility. Right. That we automatically are going to come to something with a little bit of a feel one way or the other. Um, and it could be from any his history, teaching, a bad experience when we were in the fourth grade that we don't even really have in our head anymore. But what? I don't like broccoli. Well, why you add bad, bro- you add bad broccoli in the fourth grade? You're yeah. never going to like it. Right. So um, before we get too much further, I just kind of want to give a shout out to the authors um, of this there. I guess it's a uh, a program, Masters of Science and Data Science at uh, SMU Law School or Southern Methodist University. Um, Megan Ball, Matt Farrow, Dr. Bivin Sadler, Dr. Lynn Stokes, Judge Brandon Birmingham and Catherine Mitchell. Uh, right. Thank you, good folks, for uh, all of your good work in this uh, lengthy uh, paper here that uh, I think does provide some benefit to us. Right. It does. It does. Yeah. So one of the things, some of it, just in the introduction, they they put out some some historical facts, some they quote some other sources. Just a reminder that in Reuters, Reuters did a poll in 1993. I think it's going to be a little different 30 years later. But it said that 68% of black Americans thought that the justice system was biased. That's Man. two out of three. Yeah. Where only a 33% of white Americans, and I'm using black and white, quoting the paper, right? right? You know, so so don't call me and tell me I called on the wrong thing, whatever, whoever group we're talking about. But this this paper looks at 48 non-death penalty criminal felony criminal cases in Dallas County in the same court. That's kind of how they use their 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 so it's you're not going to get a whole lot of change. Because the judge is, judge is looking at it differently. Uh, it's the same demographics. It's the same county. It's the same courtroom. Uh, the only things that change are 
what kind of case it is, but they're all felonies, none of them death death penalty. Something that did not surprise much of this paper does not surprise did not surprise Mr. Harith or myself. Right. Right. Uh, one of which was 33% of the 48 trials over six years were child sex cases. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me because my two trials this year, one was a child sex, one was online online solicitation of a minor, a trial that I, that I have set that I, that I think I've been removed from. I think I've been hired out uh, of the case, um, but still on my docket uh, is child trafficking and child sex. Yeah. Right. Because why no one, the deal's never good enough to admit I touched a kid. Yeah. And I, I, right. All of those cases in my experience, that's the, those, those are the cases that I have most experience trying as well. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. No, nobody's going to plead guilty to that. Um, they can always blame if they get convicted and go to prison, they can always blame their attorney or the prosecutor or the judge or whatever. Um, I, I think what I was surprised at is I, we try, I try a lot of those in a, in a much smaller County than Dallas County. And I guess I was still surprised to kind of see the numbers percentage wise kind of match up what Dallas County, a, a fairly large metropolitan County still shows. So I, 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 I would imagine if we ran the percentages in the County that we primarily practice, that I primarily practice in Parker right. County, I bet percentage wise, it'd probably be about, yeah, 30% over a six year period. All of those cases were child sex, uh, sexual abuse type cases. Yeah, it, it is. As I kind of look at it, it's at least a third, if not more of my cases yeah, um, that are tried. My most common are possession of a controlled substance under a gram. Yes, right. Those don't go to trial, typically. Typically. I, I've tried a handful of those. But. Right. Um, so those things didn't surprise me. One thing that, uh, another thing that, that did surprise me was of the people who are summoned to show up in Dallas County, apparently Tarrant County has a very high show up rate. Parker County has a pretty good show up rate. Right. 18%. Really? So to get seven, to get a, a jury pool of 70 You've got to call, so basically five times that. You've got to yeah. call 350 to 400 people to seat 70. Man, come on, Dallas County. Start right. doing your civic duty. And I don't know how you fix that, right? I mean, who is a judge really going to spend the time to go round up 300 people? But at the end of the day, you can't. You can't, can't complain about who won or lost an election if you didn't vote. Right. You can't complain about how the how the jury how the justice system is rigged if you don't go sit on a jury. Right. Yeah. Or at least if show you don't up participate in the process. Right. Yeah. I've sat on a jury. It, it, honestly, it was fun. Criminal or civil? Civil. I mean, fun is an interesting word. I had a good time. Okay. Uh, um, there's another. Uh, well-known criminal defense attorney who sat on a civil jury in Parker County and he had a blast. We'll have to have him on the show to talk about that. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. I don't know that. Um, so basically this paper then walks through those are a couple things that is in the first page, page that I thought were interesting. Uh, walks through how jury selection happens. Um, and you and I know that basically jury selection you're, you know, most of the time people report to the gen central jury room 
they're told 70 people are needed upstairs in this courtroom. 70 people go, they're given a number, they sit in a certain pattern, and then jury selection begins. The paper, the paper calls it the proper voir dire, <laughs> whatever. They're fancy. Yeah, they're fancy. I call it jury selection. Why? You went to SMU. You know, you know how to properly pronounce that. Yeah, but I studied Hebrew at at SMU, not not not, not French. <laughs> um, French. And my and my voice teacher told me, Andrew, you never sing in French. Your French is terrible. <laughs> I kid you not. And again, these are not jokes. These are true statements. Um, uh, but I call it jury selection. But they, but the point is for the jurors to be instructed on the law, but also to answer questions that would help determine if they can be fair and impartial and follow the law in this matter. Um, and if they cannot be, if the jurors self-eliminate, they're struck for cause. And then beyond that, uh, we get to use peremptory challenges. Uh, and in these cases, the state and the defense each get 10. Um, a reminder, this is in the paper, it's a reminder, and it actually comes from, uh, kind of refers to Article 3613 of the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure, that the point and the purpose to the answers in jury selection is that they are not to answer correctly. We're not looking for correct answers. Right. We are looking for what, Mr. Harris? True. The truth. We're looking for honest answers. We need truthful answers to reveal whether they have some form of bias or prejudice and whether they can follow the laws applicable uh, to the case. Well, and that's in, you know, in my jury selection, in my voir dire presentation, I, you know, that's like one of the first slides. I, I use a PowerPoint and it's one of the first things I discuss is, we're not, there's no right or wrong answers. Nobody is going to be taken away in shackles because of their answer um, here today. You know, the, the, we just need honest answers. And, you know, just as a practice tip, even if somebody's like their answer is not something that I wanted, or, you know, they, they would require a defendant's uh, a defendant to testify before finding them not guilty or whatever like that that may be seen as a bad answer but in truth it is not because you just eliminated a biased person from sitting on your jury without using one of your 10 peremptory strikes so i always thank them for their opinion you know you know what thank you i know it's really hard to speak up but i it's truly appreciated and then i ask the panel does anybody here agree with this individual and i think that's an easier way it opens the door a little bit more to people being truthful instead of chastising them, which I've seen Andrew do. He's chast he chastises jurors. I chastise everyone. <laughs> um, so one, in the appendices, 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 appendices. Yes, thank you. Uh, for this court out of Dallas County, this this felony court. One of the things that the judge said, and he's he was listed in the authors or in the co collaborators. Uh, is that if you if the if the attorney can say it or ask it, they can write it down as long as the answer can be uh, put into the record. So he is fine with jury questionnaires, and there are two of them in the back of this, and in uh, 9.2 and 9.3, I believe. So we'll we'll leave a link on our show notes to this paper, all 52 pages of it. And obviously, I've looked at all the whole thing, even the parts I didn't read, because I know these questionnaires are back here. Uh, one is 
a general questionnaire and one is sexual assault questionnaire. And they've been updated at least relatively recently because it lists questions about COVID. Do you feel safe right. coming in during COVID? Um, but I like that judge. If I can ask this question legally of the panel, but having them write it down saves time and energy. Can we please just let them write it down? Is there any discussion or what do you think about like the jurors, potential jurors being more honest when they're writing something instead of speaking it aloud in front of their, you know, 70 new best friends around them? I, I'm I'm going to write more honestly. I, I mean, I think I, anecdotally I, I would as well. Um, but I, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's real data. I don't know if there is up. either. Right. Um, but that, but that'd be want... another reason to ask for a questionnaire, I mm -hmm, think. Mm -hmm. And and if you have a really serious case, why not? I mean, I usually do a questionnaire on my, you know, life um, imprisonment, my life cases, um, the child sex assault or or sexual assault or or whatever the case may be. Um, but even in something where the stakes are not quite as high, I think it could be very beneficial. So it was interesting. Part uh, yes. Use a questionnaire. We've been told this many times, right. and yet I I haven't. Okay. I, I will admit my faults. I haven't I read the homework. I didn't do the didn't do the paper at the end. <laughs> next next time you have a big one, I'll just send you what I what I use. No, I'm gonna use these. Or yeah, I mean, right. Well, that's what yeah. I'll just send you that then. <laughs> um so anyway, other things that, that we learned uh in this paper, and they were interesting pieces. If you're defendant is black and your jury is all white 81% chance of a conviction if you put one African American one black juror on the panel it drops to 71% it is a 10% difference in conviction rate over time historically if there is even one black juror on the panel and that's taken from the cases in Judge Birmingham's. Um, I think that's actually court? historically it's okay. beyond just that, but it's okay. one of the things that in the paper I went, wow. Yeah, that's that's not insignificant. Not insignificant. If there is one black juror on the panel and it's a white uh defendant, defendant. Mm -hmm. it is a 73% chance the white person is convicted if it is an all white juror and a white defendant it drops to about 60% man it really starts getting creepy how the how race you know regardless of how we see it factors into the outcome of a trial yeah and so when you read some of these historical trials of an African-American male on trial, white judge, white bailiff, white court reporter, white uh, prosecutors, white defense attorney, white jury. You know, we kind of go, yeah, but, you know, the facts are the facts. But you go. That's, that can be it. That's problematic. It, it becomes yeah, problematic. Right. And, and you and I practice in counties where, like Parker County, where you can truly call a diverse panel and not have an african-american on the panel because there's statistically not enough black people in the, in the county yeah. 
to make it onto the pool. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that can be that that certainly can be an issue. And we even go to even smaller jurisdictions where the the numbers are just uh, yeah, uh but, of diversity but, are far far smaller. Honestly, as the ones I've looked at, Parker County has the most white pool of the 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 uh counties I appear in. How do we like what do you do with that information? Well, I mean, you it, know it, ahead of time, right? Yeah, but you can't fix it. I can't. Right. I can't make. I can't make a minority person move to Parker County so that my more minority clients get a closer to fair shake. I think there was a case where somebody objected to the lack of diversity. Um, it, I I think it would be, and I don't know. I'm not going to speak to that case off the top of my head. I'm. I know it's been talked about before, and there's Batson and and all the cases, its progeny and stuff. But um. I think the real question is, does your jury pool, I guess, match the demographics of the county? That's the question. That is truly the only question they can ask, right? Right. The pool matches the demographic. Um, but the difference of an all-white jury with a black defendant, 81%, white defendant, 61%. Yeah, that's... And that's... That that's, doesn't make me feel great. No, that's that's in the paper. I'm looking at it directly. Uh, also, in in Mississippi, uh, black jurors were struck by the state 4.5 times more likely than white jurors, while white jurors were struck 4.2 times more likely by the defense than a black juror. Hmm. So we have our biases and we play them out legally. Even if it's not enough to raise, raise a Batson challenge. Have you ever had to fight or have you ever um, raised a Batson challenge? I have not. Um, probably because there'd be, it, it was a diverse enough 12 that I could, I, I didn't feel like I could le- legitimately say that the strikes were based only on race. But you, you can now, uh, the, the line of, Cases say you can base it on race, religion, uh, or gender. Right. Yeah, and it's a it is actually a really fascinating process. Uh, we need to we need to find somebody and have that as a topic. It, it would be its own show and maybe even multiple shows about properly raising a Batson challenge and then properly responding to a Batson challenge because the defense can also be Batson. So um, it's it's uh, something that that really I think. Um, is very interesting and, and we should probably have that as a topic coming up soon. Yeah. So if somebody wants to talk about Batson, yeah, let us know. Contact Andrew, Please. Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Yeah. Um so in Dallas County, in this one felony criminal court, uh the county is twenty almost twenty four percent black. Mm-hmm. But the veneer panels were basically eighteen percent black and the juries were basically a slightly lower just than that not right. a full percentage point um the county this surprised me this says that the county is 66 percent white dallas itself is not that much but the whole county. county is according to this this paper but the jury pool was only 49.9 percent white but the juries would be 56 percent white interesting so the minorities over over self eliminated or were cut for other reasons. 
Inter- interesting facts. Right? That is interesting. Now, they, now the part of part of the problem is they say that this the, their numbers equal well over one hundred percent because they have Hispanic and white, and they didn't. So, so we uh, it's a skewed number, and it's part of why I don't like statistics. Is like, how do I have a, a pie chart that equals one hundred more than one hundred pieces of pie? If there's one hundred pieces of pie, how do you have one hundred seven pieces of pie? Doesn't make sense to me. Right. Right. That that's that's the devil. Should be the very top. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe 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 ninety nine point nine 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 because there's some small factor that doesn't that falls out. But one of the things that that they noticed was is that people forty five, is it forty five to fifty, over, uh, basically make up the the jury pool. Um. Yeah. So jurors. 45 to 54 were 78 percent or sorry 78 percent is likely to be uh uh struck for cause as younger but but that was also the group that shows up the most man right and i thought about that and i was like well if i'm a little older i might i might have some of the health issue you know i don't have to show up yeah i'm caring for someone who's older but also, if I'm under 45, there's a good chance I've got a child under 12 of which I'm a primary caregiver or I'm a full-time student, and so I can self-eliminate uh, using a, an actual uh, excuse. Right, right, right. right. So, so you, I, you would have called in and uh, and told not to appear. Right, so I kind of thought, you know, yeah, that 45 to 55 is that sweet spot of I'm just successful enough, I'm just not busy enough that I don't, I'm not trying to find an excuse. Yeah. I can go do it. Right. Just fun stuff, right? Fun facts. No one share. Fun with numbers. Fun, fun with numbers. Um, and then they break it down by, uh, demographics where they lived because in Dallas County, if you live North of I 30, basically it runs through the middle of Dallas County, middle of Dallas, Texas. If you live North of I 30, you are more likely to be upper middle class, or upper class and white. If you live south of 30, you are more likely to be uh, to live uh, at the poverty line. You're also more likely to be uh, a minority. They use that to kind of determine where people came from, why they might have been struck, etc. Um, female jurors appear slightly above the norm. Female jurors appear really? at a rate of 52.7. And make the jury fifty two point nine percent of the time, but they overall only make fifty point seven percent of the population. Way to go, ladies! Yeah, yeah, you guys have a lot more sense of responsibility uh, right. than the men. Yeah, so so it says it actually says the seated jury, the ages between forty five and sixty nine, are more heavily represented than the county percentages. Um, Man, so what was interesting was why they tracked why people self-eliminated so why they were struck for cause okay white jurors three times more likely than other race or black jurors or sorry than, than black jurors to be struck for fifth amendment rights the right not to incriminate yourself but white people wanted you to tell come in and tell me yeah tell me what happened tell me your side of the story right um, the full range of punishment is where black jurors self-eliminated, right? We've already said that 
uh, well, you and I talked, I can't remember if I actually said this, but, but let me, let me go here. Black jurors were struck for cause for failure to consider the full range of punishment for a crime 1.5 times more likely than white jurors. And basically it was that they failed to consider the maximum punishment range at specifically 2.5 times, 2.4 times the rate of white jurors. So basically yeah. they were like that second degree felony. Yeah. We can give you two years in the pen, but I don't know that I can give you up to 20. Right. Yeah. You can't consider 20. I just don't know that I could get there. Well, you just, you just self-struck. Right. Right. Okay. So the white person wants to hear the defendant speak. The black juror doesn't want to send him away for as long of a time. I, okay. Yeah. You know, when he, when we, um, I think oftentimes when we, we look at our role as attorneys preparing for trial, um, you know, the answer in digesting this information is not to ignore it. The answer is to, is to not necessarily use it to our advantage or leverage it, but just be aware of some of these things. Maybe you can change some of your questions that you ask, but for sure, just looking at statistically, um, it sounds like it would be in our best interest to have a diverse jury. Most of the time, it, well, it depends on who your defendant is. Sure. Well, that's uh, that's right. That's right. true. If I have a white right. If I have a white guy, I want an all white, white jury. jury. Man, yeah. Because sixty one percent of the time, right? So, so a third of the time, that guy's getting a not guilty if it's an all white jury, based on the historical data. Right. Right. Yeah. And man, gosh, yeah. that just doesn't feel great to say, right? Oh, it feel it. It makes it. It truly makes me sick of my stomach. Yeah. Um. And that anyway, so yeah, yeah. Um, but black jurors due to their proclamation of bias against, uh, police that they wouldn't believe a police officer and their maximum range of punishment, uh, self self eliminated and unintentionally leads to less potential jurors and black jurors in a, in, on a jury. Right. Because if you can't believe the cop and you say that, how many how many of our cases the only real witness is a cop? Right. Yeah. And yeah, I would say I don't know if the number's in there, but probably eighty percent of my trials have been one witness trials with a police officer. That's, yeah. That's probably that's probably a really high percentage, but a lot of them are. So you know, then the question becomes, you know, could a jury, you know, say, hey, I have a bias just to get kicked. I actually had someone tell me, you know, when they found out I was a defense attorney and I said, you know, I'm going to have a trial next week. And they said, well, I wouldn't be on your jury because I'm going to say I can't follow the law. And I looked at him and I said, you're a liar. Yeah. You don't know if you could follow the law or not in my case. So say you can't. Doesn't help anyone. Right. So some people are going to try to self-eliminate. Some people are going to try to hide, right? We just had the case out of Florida uh, where one juror um, said no to the death penalty on one of the school massacre cases. So the guy got life in prison without parole. Uh, and it was just in the last week or two. Right. Um, and people are up at arms at it. And you kind of wonder, did this person say I could consider the death penalty and the whole time they're like, I'm not going to let this guy be put to death because I mean, because yeah. we've all seen the person that really has a beef 
that hides it until they get into that jury room at the end. And so, there yeah, it comes out. Certainly. Um, you know, as, as uh, just to comment on your friend who is, who said they couldn't follow the law. Like I wouldn't want them on my jury anyways. Like if you're, if you're, if you are that disinterested that you're not going to be honest and truthful when sworn to be honest and truthful, then you're not, you don't, you don't get to decide my client's fate. Sure. Yeah. I don't want you on my jury, but I also just want to slap you. Yeah. It's a shitty answer. Yeah. yeah. Pardon my French. No, and, it's all right. And, uh, and, and yes, that, you know, on, on the one hand, good for that juror for sticking to their guns, but I would hope that they would have been honest in the jury selection prom, uh, uh, process. What does board diary stand for again? To speak the truth. Yeah. Well, that's why we're all here, right? Yeah. Anyways, you look great today. Thank you. <laughs> that's speaking the truth. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but but it's an interesting <laughs> paper. Uh, again, I don't know that I had any like aha moments of like, yes, I never knew that. I don't necessarily know how I would use any of it in a jury selection. But the reality is, if you have a client of who's non-white you need some non-white jurors to make that make that jury yeah if you have an all-white jury if you have a white client you might want an all-white jury yeah and that's ladies and gentlemen that's playing the race card flat out that's playing the race card and i know i just said it again you know it's not our job is not to just ignore these things i mean we have to face them head on and at the end of the day, I hate that phrase. When, when throughout our careers and throughout every single day, we're representing our clients, we must do that to the best of our ability. Our clients deserve that. And if this is one of those areas of the law where you want to stick your head in the sand, I think you're doing your clients a disservice. So just be aware of it. Maybe try to try to um, look at your board hires or jury selection procedures and processes um, see what see what needs to be uh, adjusted to real world numbers, which you can find in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, Andrew, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Any music you want to say you're listening to? Recently? You know, I've gotten into jazz a lot lately. Frank Morgan really. Uh... So I've been listening to Aretha Franklin's gospel album recorded at uh, I can't remember which Temple Baptist Church, uh, and. Once in a generation talent, right? Yeah, I once mean, in a, and, and it is it is early on. It is her. It is choir. It is if it, it, it. So I'm gonna, to, I'm gonna have to download that. So, yeah. so related to you know, I mean, it's it's really Americana kind of music. We, jazz we both, we both have been uh, needing some some soothing, evidently, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, I've been reading a book with my brother. Uh, titled love people not love people not things the other way never works um I love that, man. It, it's it's a and it's a hard read because it's a self-help book and if you really do the work uh you know well first of all you're going to get stuff out of your house but you're also going to get shit out of your life i just finished a book on the uh comanche nation uh early comanche nation and quanta parker empire of the summer moon by sc gwen that was a fantastic i've heard it's a great book i've not read such a good book can i borrow your copy sure thank you you got it all right 
Well, that's that is another episode of oh any any good advice you've received lately? No, absolutely not. I'm going to quit quote Tim Moore when he you know like when I went into him and I said and this is my favorite quote of Tim Moore's. I went and I said, hey, I've got a client who's accused of a child sex case, and he looked up from his desk and this he is a phenomenal attorney and he said, tell him don't do that. <laughs> that's uh you know that's about as good advice as you can get, man. <laughs> Yeah. Tell them don't do that. So um, this has been another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. You can find us on the web at texascrimdefense.com. You can find us on Facebook at Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. You can find us where you download this this episode of your podcast. You can find us on Twitter. We're, we're like 30 followers now. But here's the amazing thing. Remember just this summer we said we hit 10,000 downloads. Yeah. We're, we're at over 12,000. We're getting oh, close to 1,000 downloads a month now. Whoa. Congratulations, Mr. Harris. Yeah, I have to look at Yeah, well, I, I think it's our Twitter feed, honestly. It that's must driving be. It must be. It, that Twitter feed, man, it drives, <laughs> it drives business. All right, y'all. Y'all be good.